All right, David, thank you so much for leading us in that time of worship and praise. Now it's time to get into our study. And if you've been with us, we've been journeying through the book of Exodus, and we've arrived at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there to Exodus 20, verse 7. Of course, Exodus chapter 20 records the famous Ten Commandments, the Aseret HaDevarim, the Ten Words, very famous. Many people, if they don't know all the Ten Commandments, they're at least very familiar uh, with that phrase, that term, the Ten Commandments. And so we're moving our way through there, and today we arrive at what is the third commandment in traditional grouping. So third commandment. And so it's just one verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and we're going to be looking at that today. So if you have your Bibles, let's be prepared to read. We'll read it together, we'll pray, and we'll get into our study. This is God's Word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and we thank you and praise you for the opportunity for the body of Christ to unite together here online through this service. We thank you for the fellowship of the saints. We thank you for the singing and praise. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word and to receive it as food for our souls. We just pray that you would bless us now as we hear your word. We pray we would hear the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we would be enabled by the Holy Spirit to respond to him and live our lives fully for the glory of God. We just ask for this blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was the summer of 1989, and there were a number of blockbuster movies that summer, but one of them was Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Now, I love the Indiana Jones series. I'm a big fan, although I was quite a bit disappointed with the uh, most recent one. Uh, it, almost like it doesn't count, uh, but I'll, I'll give them a pass. But anyway, one of my favorite in the series is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And there's a number of reasons why I really enjoyed this film, but one of the main reasons is I absolutely love the relationship and the dynamic between Harrison Ford, who plays Indiana Jones, and Sean Connery, who plays Indiana's father. Uh, it's so true to life in so many ways. They're um, kind of spitting images of each other in certain ways, and then uh, they just really rub each other the wrong way sometimes, and they're always arguing and they're fighting. And anyway, there was this one scene where the Nazis have captured them. They've tied them up in some uh, house or mansion uh, that they've occupied, and then all of a sudden the place starts going up in flames, and they're tied to this chair, and they're hopping around trying to get out. Eventually they get free, and they're making a run for it. The Nazis see him, so Indiana Jones hops on a motorcycle. The motorcycle has a sidecar, so Sean Connery hops in, and they're speeding away, and there's this great action sequence that ensues. Eventually they lose all the Nazis that were in pursuit, and they're heading towards this fork in the road, and when they get there, Indiana Jones slams on the brakes and they come to a stop. And they begin arguing about which way they should go. Uh, Sean Connery, Indiana's dad, is very clear they got to go back to Berlin. They got to go back to Berlin because that's where his diary is. And Indiana J Jones is, he's frustrated. He's like, Are you kidding me, dad? Half the German army is on our backs and you want to go to Berlin? No, we're going this way. And besides, that's where Marcus is. And Sean Connery corrects him and says, No, we got to go to Berlin. My diary's there. There's more in the diary. 
then you realize and in just total frustration indiana jones takes the lord's name in vain and if you remember the sequence what happens next sean connery slaps him and says that's for blasphemy I don't know if I did my Sean Connery voice good, but that's what he does. He takes the Lord's name in vain, something that many people don't even think twice about. But in that movie, Sean Connery's from the old school, and psh, that's for blasphemy. You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So what does it mean, really, to take the name of the Lord in vain? I think many people would respond sort of in the way that Sean Connery did, that Taking Lord's name in vain is what Indiana Jones did, using it as a curse word. But interestingly, there's a little more to the third commandment than many people realize, and that's partly reflected in the wide variety of translations of Exodus 20, verse 7. In fact, I'm not sure if you knew this, but the third commandment has the most diverse number of translations of any of the other nine commandments more than any of the other nine commandments, verse 7, the third commandment, is translated differently. And let me read to you a few of those various translations. We'll start with the most familiar, which is probably the old King James. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The NIV renders it, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The JB, Jerusalem Bible, says you shall not utter the name of Yahweh your God to misuse it. The New English Bible says, You shall not make wrong use of the name of the Lord your God. The NRSV, You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. The TEV, Do not use my name for evil purposes. Scholar Brethren Childs translates it, You shall not abuse the name of the Lord your God. The New Jerusalem Publication Society translation renders it, You shall not swear falsely by the name of the Lord your God. And lastly, Hebrew scholar E. Fox translates it, you are not to take up the name of Yahweh your God for emptiness. So as you can see, there seems to be a little bit more going on with the third commandment than many people realize. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to answer the question, what is the third commandment. What does it mean exactly? And there's three things that it means. So we're going to take a look at those three things. And then lastly, what does it mean for us today? What relevance does the third commandment have? And so, <clears throat> number one, the first meaning of this phrase is using the Lord's name as a curse word. So number one, using the Lord's name as a curse word. Obviously, this is the most familiar rendering. And what I'm arguing is that it's not incorrect. It's not incorrect. It is, it is, it is true. That is part of it. What I want to say is the reason you see this ambiguity in the diversity of translation, and the reason I'm going to say that it's three things rather than one thing, is because of the nature of the law itself. For example, you'll note that the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, the Ten Words in Exodus 20 are quite different than the rest of the laws that follow in Exodus. And that's because they're a different type of law. 
and the type of law that the Ten Commandments are, are known for being broad in general, meaning they're not narrow. They're not meant to be defined narrowly. They are intentionally spoken and written such as to cover numerous areas. And that's why you have a diversity of translation. That's why we're going to argue it's three things rather than one. So this kind of law that you see in the Ten Commandments is what is called apodictic law apodictic law. What does that mean? It means universal or general. It's just always true. It's more of a principle. And you'll notice there's no particular punishments uh, attached, which you will see later in the other types of law. So these are universal principles. And by the nature of apodictic law, it is meant to be broad. And that's why you see more. Now, the other kinds of laws that we're going to see later in our study are what are called casuistic laws casuistic laws. And that might be familiar if you look at the first three letters of that word, C-A-S. And if you add an E, you would get case law. That's what casuistic law is. It's very, very specific, very narrow. If your neighbor have as an ox and it gores and it was known to gore, then the owner shall come to the judge and they shall render this, 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 that. No, it's very, very specific. That's the nature of case law. But this is general, apodictic law, and that's why it's bigger than just this one law. However, what I want to point out here is it does include the traditional rendering. So I know some people have said, uh, take, uh, the third commandment is not about using the name of the Lord in, in a curse word. No, I think it's included. I would argue, yes, you're right. It's more than that, but it's not less than that. So number one, using the Lord's name as a curse word. Now, why is that wrong? Why is that such a big deal? Why is God so uptight about people using his name as a curse word? Well, I think there's probably a number of things, but number one, by using God's name as a curse word, you trivialize the name. You trivialize and dishonor the name. And of course, the goal of doing that is to devalue the Lord himself, the Lord to whom the name points. By using his name in that way, it devalues the Lord himself. That's our issue. So I know some people push back and say, oh, it's ridiculous. Get over it. The Lord can just uh, get over his ego trip and Christians can just stop freaking out. Uh, but friends, here's this is what I believe the real issue is. The ultimate reason why, it's not just wrong because it's wrong. It's wrong because of what it does specifically. It is wrong because it trivializes and dishonors the Lord to whom it points. And obviously, as followers of the Lord, as followers of Jesus, that is the opposite of what we want to do. And of course, we would want to say it still applies to people generally, because even if people don't want to follow the Lord, they don't want to believe in the Lord, he's still the God that made them. He is their creator. You can't get out of that. The only decision people have to make is whether they want the Lord to be their redeemer. As far as his creator, that's tough. That's like saying, I hate my dad, I hate my mom, I wish they weren't my mom or my... Well, they are. So you have a choice on how you want to relate to them, but that they are your parent, you've got no choice. God is your creator, whether you want him to be your redeemer or not, that is your choice. And so again, number one, taking the Lord's name in vain, it does include the traditional understanding. Using the Lord's name is a curse word. But let's go on to the next two, because these are two, I think, when it comes to the third commandment, many people don't realize. So number two, 
using the Lord's name in order to promise something you cannot or will not deliver. So number two, using the Lord's name in order to promise something you cannot or will not deliver on. Now, where do they get that? Now, they are getting this from the Hebrew language. So the, ver the verb translated typically in the older tradition is take. You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Um, it's actually not the word take. It's not the normal word take. The normal word for take is lechach. And this word is actually nasa. Nasa means to lift up, to bear, or to carry. To lift up, to bear, or to carry. So the idea here is you are taking an oath. That's what scholars are pointing to in some of the various translations that you heard. Nasa, you lift up the name, you bear the name, you're taking the name. And so what they're saying is this refers to the idea of promising in the Lord's name, saying, I swear to God, I will pay you back. But then you don't or something like that. So in other words, it's invoking the Lord. So unlike number one, you could be serious. Maybe you're not intending to dishonor the name of the Lord, right? You're not using the Lord's name as a curse word. But you are taking up the Lord uh, sort of to validate something you think or you're going to do or something like that. So some people, when they make a promise, say, I swear to God. Well, there's a problem with that. The problem is that once you're swearing to God, you're bringing God into the promise. And God is always, 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 always faithful to his promises. He never breaks his promises. Whatever he says, he delivers on. And so, friends, anytime somebody swears by God, even though they're not meaning to curse the Lord, but if that is not made good, if that promise never comes to fruition, fulfillment, whether uh, through inability or unwillingness to fulfill it, you are taking the Lord's name in a derogatory way. Because what you're attributing to God is this sense of unfaithfulness. When you break a promise in the name of the Lord, the person who's promise you you broke that's they begin to look at the lord and say oh i get it you can swear on the name of the lord because he doesn't always keep his promises either kind of like you and so i want to point out friends i think that's a legitimate translation of the hebrew i think it meets this standard of apodictic law where it's general it's very broad intentionally meant to cover numerous things and so we're being told here in the third commandment not to swear in the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Jesus will later say, it's better that you don't swear at all. Jesus will actually say, it's better that you don't even swear at all. Because some people will get into an agreement with you or, or buy into a deal or whatever it is because you swore on God's name. But then it becomes uh, something that is meaningless and empty. Rather, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, let your word be sure and don't just bring God's name into it to cover over the fact that you don't deliver on your promises. Lastly, and number three, using the Lord's name in a manipulative or deceitful way using the Lord's name in a manipulative or deceitful way. Now, where are they getting that from? Same thing, their scholars are looking at the Hebrew language, but in this case, rather than looking at the beginning verb, nasa, to lift up, to bear, to carry, translated as take historically, 
they're looking at that word vain. Now that word vain is shav, and shav can mean vain, false, or empty. So vain, false, or empty. So if you take it as false, okay, and so you shall not lift up, bear, take the name of the Lord your God in a false way. And that word false can be used to mean deceitful, that it was intentionally deceitful. And so the commandment would then be broad enough to include this idea of not using the Lord's name in a false or deceitful way at all, or a manipulative way at all. Now, how does that work? What would that look like? Well, let me give you a few examples. And I know I've seen this many times, sadly. There might be many Christians in the church today who would never use the word of the name of the Lord as a curse word the way Indiana Jones did in the movie. Nevertheless, they do take the Lord's name in vain in this sense, in a manipulative, deceitful way. There's been many people who are Christian businessmen or Christian businesswomen, and they actually will use their identity, their their marker as a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian lawyer. I'm a Christian mechanic. I'm a Christian doctor. I'm a Christian whatever it is. And they'll use that to lower people's guards to attract in Christians because a lot of Christians, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're loving and hopeful and they're like, oh, a brother, sister in the Lord, you'll never cheat me or rob me or do me wrong. And the people use that fish sticker, they use the dove, they use the cross, whatever it is, to sort of lure people in, and then they take advantage of them. They rip them off. They do a lousy job at whatever they were hired to do. They steal their money. They, they manipulate. And that would be a way of bearing the name of the Lord. Do you get that? Because the name of the Lord is on you. That's the idea. God's actually put his name on his people. And so when we use the name of the Lord to say attract business to yourself, but then you're not gonna, you're not gonna honor the name. You're not gonna honor that cross that you put on your business card or the fish or the dove. You're not gonna do it. That's taking the Lord's name in vain in this rendering. Another way of looking at it is when Christians assign thoughts or ideas to God that don't belong to God. I know this happens many times when it comes to uh, politics, and you can see it on both sides of the aisle. I've seen people totally butcher, take out of context, wrongly divide the word of truth. They'll take a verse that on the surface, they, they, if they pull it out of context, it approves of whatever their, their ideology is, their idea, their opinion, and they try to put God's name on it. See, my opinion's right, because look, I found a verse. But if you go back and you look at the verse, you find out that is not what it's saying at a gall. God does not approve of what you're doing. And yet people have, they're taking the Lord's name in vain. They're bearing the Lord's name falsely. They don't care that God does not actually approve of this. They just want the power and the weight uh, behind using God's name and assigning it to their own opinions. 
And so as Christians, we have to be very, very careful that just because we feel strongly about something, and you and I can feel strongly about things that aren't in the Bible, that God has not spoken on, and yet we can go, oh, I really think this is right, or I really think this is wrong. And yet if God has not spoken on it, you have no right, I have no right, to assign God's word and God's authority to our opinions as though it's Scripture. That is to take the name of the Lord in vain, to bear his name in a wrongful way. And so we want to make sure, especially in this just crazy socially, culturally, politically divided culture, we are not taking God's name just to get something done, to ram an idea through, to win an argument when it is really not honoring the Lord of the word. Now, what does all of this mean for us today? We know that everyone, by especially by this standard, especially if we understand that this is an apodictic law, it includes taking the Lord's name in vain in the traditional sense of uh, not using his name as a curse word, but it is much bigger. I think if we look at it in these three ways, who among us has never broken this commandment in our lives? I think we all have. And I would actually dare say for, for many of us, uh, we've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And the number one definition we probably don't do, uh, I basically never, ever, ever really did it, even when I wasn't walking with Jesus at all as a teenager. And I, I, wouldn't, I didn't say good things. I said some bad words, but that's just one I wouldn't say. It, it wasn't my thing. I would not say that word. So I could easily, I'm one of the people that could look at the third commandment and say, oh, I do that. I'm good. I always, always was. But when I start to see it means these other things, I can look back on my life and say, gosh, yeah, you know, I, I haven't always bore the name of the Lord well. I haven't honored and glorified him with how I used his name and how I assigned his name to a promise to, to get somebody to enter into an agreement with me or, or a relationship. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, I, I read my Bible all the time. I'm really close to the Lord. Then they marry you and find out, no, you like never go to church and you don't read the Bible and you don't do any of that kind of stuff. That is taking the name of the Lord in vain to use God's word and God's name to win to beat people in arguments when God's not saying that, doesn't believe that, doesn't agree with that. That is to take his name in vain and violate the third commandment. So here's the reality today, friends and family. Every single one of us has broken the third commandment. And the Bible says that if you've broken one commandment, you've broken them all, which means all of us have fallen, we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God of God. We are sinners and we deserve God's wrath. But the Bible doesn't stop there, does it? Thankfully, the Bible goes on to say, thanks be to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who took upon himself human nature, born of a virgin, fulfilled all the law, including the third commandment. Not only did Jesus not break the third commandment, he fulfilled it in the most complete, full sense of the law. He exalted the name of the Lord in all that he did. 
so that now for us who believe on Jesus, not only are we forgiven for breaking the third commandment, but in and through Jesus, its opposite is being fulfilled. Namely, the lifting up and exalting of the name of the Lord. As the New Testament says in numerous places, this is our call. Not just to not break the third commandment, but friends, your goal, your purpose in life, your greatest good is to glorify the one, exalt the name, lift up the name. In the middle of this heated time, heated election, cultural divide, what's our number one mission? Is it do this, do this, do that? No, it is to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. If you don't take my word for it, listen to the words of Scripture in the New Testament. Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And lastly, 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, for your truth, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. Lord, we acknowledge that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into our world, the second person of the Trinity, became fully man, lived, fulfilled all of the law on our behalf. You died and you rose again so that we could have new life and a new covenant, one in which not only are we forgiven for breaking the old, but a new covenant in which we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to live fully and completely for you. So Lord, it is our hope and prayer today that we would lift up and exalt the name of Jesus that we would in no way break the third commandment, but in all ways, in every place, at every time, exalt and lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this now in his name. Amen. All right, friends, just a few things before we go today. Again, for those of you that would like to continue your worship this morning through tithes and offerings, there are two ways that you can do that. Uh, first, you can go on to our website, which is imagechurchoc.com, and up at the top there's a giving tab, and you can just click there, and you're able to give with either your credit card or your debit card. If you would prefer to mail in a check, you can do that as well to our church mailing address, which is 27762 Antonio Parkway, Ellis and Larry 514, and that's Ladera Ranch, California. 92694. Again, friends, I want to encourage you if you have any prayer requests or if you would like our weekly email newsletter to let us know and send an email to information at imagechurchoc.com, information at imagechurchoc.com, and we'll be happy to take care of that for you. We got prayer meetings five days a week, actually six times a week, but five days a week. We have our Wednesday night midweek Bible study where we're currently going through the Minor Prophets. And we're also going to be having our first outdoor get-together coming up next Sunday evening. So if you'd like more information about that, again, just email us and we'll provide that information with you. 
All right, friends, let me go ahead and close with this word of blessing. May the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a beautiful, wonderful Sunday, and we hope to see you very soon. God bless.